Let's so get perfect. ready to rumble. And in this corner, weighing in at 450 pounds, it's anti-Nephi-Lehi. <laughs> 450 pounds. Uh, welcome to the Anti-Anti-Mormon Show. Not Anti-Anti-Mormon. Let's get into a little LDS, LDS Church in the News. That was right on. Very clean. Yes. Thank you. I practiced uh, last night. Not morally clean, obviously, because we were seeing it. But it's actually how I warm up in the shower. You, mm. you become morally clean in the. Shower? No, no. Oh, I see where the confusion was there. Uh, no, I seeing LDS Church in the news intro to warm up. Uh, <laughs> yes. Thank you. Wait, is it Joey or Frankie today? It's Frankie again. Frankie's back. He's waving. I couldn't do an LDS Church News if I didn't at least do one on Jana Rice. It seems like every other time. Yeah. You guys are going to love this. Salt Lake Bring Tribune. It on. Jana Rice, why I stopped paying tithing to the LDS Church. <gasps> Remember, she's still a member. Sure, she really. Now she's really not a member. <laughs> yeah, well, check this out. This is absolutely hilarious. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I would highly recommend it to our listeners. Here she goes. I'm not, you know, I'll read tidbits. It's rare to say that a news story changed your life or your course of behavior, but that's what happened to me a year ago when Religion Unplugged and the Washington Post broke the story that mm -hmm. my church, the church is kind of understand. Had amassed a nest egg in excess of $100 billion. Oh, yeah. Well, here we go. What are you going to say about it, Jana? You going to leave the church oh. finally? Ironically, no. She's not. But let's see what she says. Weirdly, I had recently written a column called, I just paid my Mormon tithing. Why don't I feel better about it? Hmm, that's what an interesting, what an interesting <laughs> title. <laughs> in the article, I discussed the annual December tradition of tithing settlement in which church members can sit down with their bishop to discuss their giving and whether they are, quote, full, unquote, tithe payers, donating 10% of their income. I'm a fan of tithing settlement. Regular financial accountability is a vital spiritual practice that helps followers of Jesus stay on track in supporting holy work on earth. Mm. Uh, that mm. sounds nice, but where did you get that? Holy construction of buildings. Yeah, I yes. guess so. Mm -hmm. But it should go mm -hmm. both ways, with followers being accountable for their giving and leaders being accountable for how those donations are spent. Well, mm -hmm. you're in the wrong church. You're in the wrong Here church. Yeah. Yep. She's that a, accountability has not occurred since 1959. We talked about that when we talked about the $100 billion. The church used to publish what their basic finances were until 1959 hmm. when they stopped. Ah, well, here we go. That was a time of deficit spending for the Utah-based faith, which is likely why it stopped sharing financial information with members. <laughs> <laughs> we can't balance our books because yes. God's in charge. Yes. <laughs> we'll let God balance our books. So here's what she wrote. I suspect that the non-disclosure policy continues, however, not because the church is poor or indebted, but because it has grown wealthy enough that exposing the extent of its holdings could cause embarrassment and prompt unwanted questions. Would knowing <laughs> the extent of the church's abundance diminish Latter-day Saints' ongoing generosity, she asked in her prior article. And then here she says about it, 
I had no idea when I wrote this that my religious world would be rocked. Less than two <laughs> weeks later, by major revelations about the church's financial holdings, no pun on the word revelations, I certainly... <laughs> yeah, I did, thanks, Frankie. I'm glad you finally caught that. I certainly had no inkling that the specific line about Latter-day Saints decreasing their generosity if they knew the full extent of the church's wealth would apply to me personally. Oh, my God. She goes on and on. And so here's the thing. She's not going to pay her tithing anymore because the church doesn't need it. Instead, she's going to pay it to different charities. So I guess all, she's willing to give up her right to go to the temple now as well because yeah, so no here's, recommend for you. Yeah, here's how, here's how she ends it. Here we go. Ready? Though reasonable efforts will be made globally to use donations as designated, all donations become the church's property and will be used at the church's sole discretion to further the church's overall mission. So here's how she ends. That's not enough for me. Not anymore. At tithing settlement this year, I declared myself a full tithe payer and explained mm. why none of that money has gone to the church. I don't know what fallout there will be from this decision, if any. <laughs> Frankly, it's not important whether I continue to hold a temple recommend or not. What's important to me is that at least a few kids who didn't have food or access to education will have meals, school, and the basics. I should have done this a long time ago. Well, all joking aside, she's on a good path. She's It'll only take a little bit longer, and then Out. she'll be writing anti-Mormon columns. Yeah, I think that's true. What's funny is she kind of has been already. She's yeah. constantly... Well, essentially, yeah. yes, she has. Yeah, she's constantly uh, What I see the in the future, we'll be looking at the screen. It'll say David, Michael, Mitch, and Jana. Oh! oh yeah, we'll be interviewing her. Yeah, uh, thank you, because... Permanent DJ, I don't know if we could handle that. But, mm. Um, mm. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Excuse, excuse so me. <laughs> so there you go. That's LDS Church in the News. New record, huh? Yeah, new record. So how about for your, your information? I like the Scottish roll, and then you went into like a Gregorian chant. I heard a chant, yeah. Yeah, uh, I was channeling. Uh, yeah that was awesome. Channeling I, Satan. Oh. Uh, oh. Oh. He's busy right now. This is one of his busiest times of the year. Yeah, so true. That's, wow. Uh, Mitch, I'm going to be curious to talk to you offline, privately afterwards, how it feels to, to channel Satan, and did you use lube? Um... <laughs> Frankie, uh, God damn it! Yeah. You. <laughs> you can't he's, give that to him. <laughs> You're gonna wear out that skin on that drum, boy. <laughs> and wear something out. Oh, we just, we just <laughs> yes, he gave can't it to you. Help it, can okay. we? All right, all right, Divino. my beloved brethren, and yes. all those who listen, and and you anti Mormons out there. The year is 1962. It's the first of July. Following the release of Lowell L. Binion as director of the LDS Institute of Religion at the University of Utah, George S. Tanner writes in his diary, The way it looks to me is that the brethren have suddenly become worried that there is a little too much liberalism among some of our better trained men. And they are trying to stamp it out. Hmm. So it, it does beg the question what kind of things have... Being taught and so forth, uh, we can only surmise. Yeah. 
Yeah, you don't want to be liberal. Okay, let's go into August. Jana will uh, appreciate this entry, I believe. Esquire magazine. I found that interesting. Yeah. I didn't even know Esquire magazine was around in 1972. Nigel, Nigel, get me the Esquire magazine for this morning's coffee. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and it's the cover story. The magazine claims that the LDS tithing revenues are $1 million daily. 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 Wow. I would like to have $1 million daily. I've got some Monopoly money I can hand out, Mitch. Okay, September, guys. First presidency rules that prominent Egyptian polygamists can be baptized because polygamy is legal in Egypt. (laughs) (laughs) What? I just, yeah. That's great. Okay. Yes. Got to be more progressive. Mm hmm. Yes. Okay. Uh, October 27th, in the midst of the Cuban Missile Crisis. That's interesting to bring that historical mm, piece in here. Mm-hmm. Apostle Ezra Taft Benson publicly endorses the Birch Society. He says, It is the most effective non-church organization in our fight against creeping socialism and godless communism. And he's going to get some repercussion for that. Yes, mm. the John Birch Society. It's very extreme. 1963, there's another statement about that. I'll pass that one up. I want to get to this one. February 2nd, the Church News recommends official biography of Hiram Smith, which describes his family artifacts as including emblematic parchments and a steel dagger with Masonic symbols on it. Photographs Mm. of these artifacts published in 1982 demonstrate that the parchments are layman's or parchments of ceremonial magic, one to summon a good spirit, another to ward off evil spirits, and witches, of course, and a third <laughs> against thieves. Wow. There's, there's more. There's more. This this gets even so better. So they find out, no, those were not Masonic symbols. They were, in fact, uh, astrological symbols. Mm, in in okay. particular, the one for Mars. In astrology, Mars is the governing planet for Joseph Smith Sr., whose non-Mormon neighbors claim he dug for treasure, by drawing magic circles and using books of ceremonial magic. Well, I want to know what God the Father himself thinks about all of this. Let's turn upwards for a moment. Whoa! Whoa! Okay. It is not well. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I was taking a shit. I didn't know this. <laughs> okay. So... Joseph Smith Jr. was highly influenced by his father. Ah, yes, he was. I knew there was some influence there. He was the first one out there digging around for treasure. Yes, because he was in dire straits and he needed some money. Yeah, money. Guys, I'm not going to segue on that point, but I think it matters... That the Smith family was basically a cult. And that's O-C-C, O-C-C-U-L-T. They were in the occult. And uh, I think it matters, but, you know, whatever. That's just using your logical reasoning, Mike, and that's stupid of you. My piece is plain. There is also some evidence that in addition to digging for treasure, that's the chief goal, but in addition to drawing circles or symbols or whatever, that there was sacrifice of animals. As well. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Mm. 
Yes, so, we know this. Yeah. It's so ritualistic, and it's so interesting. Uh, tribalistic as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's a whole yeah. Yeah. It's not very impressive to know that that was the origin of your prophet, is it? No. That, it, no. Fascinating. But not we, follow, we follow the living brethren, you know. Yeah. The hell with those guys yeah. way back then. Except, Except Joseph Smith. Yes. He oh. did more for this earth than anyone except Jesus fucking Christ. And you get that straight. I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We'd like to thank all of you for sharing such wonderful, beautiful testimonies. Next. I'm done. That's all the information oh, okay. I can spew forth. Well, thanks for the spewing, David. Yes. We sure. love it when you spew. On that note, how about we get into a little bit of the actual episode topic? May is, I, Mike yes, and yes. Dave, may I yes. kick this off with a good old-fashioned channeling with my Ouija board of Elder Packer? Yes, we ah. would appreciate that. Wait, hmm. let me let me cross if my. If you legs. guys, if you, yeah, I need you guys to get in the. So, if you could just do like a low bass hum. Mm-hmm. There you go. Spirits, spirits of the LDS prophets, do you hear me? <coughs> I would like to say a few words through this conduit. There is a temptation for the writer or the teacher of the church history to want to tell everything, whether it is worthy or faith for mourning or not. Some things that are true are not very useful. (laughs) Wow. Whoa, that was weird. It's like he died all over again. (laughs) Like when when you channel him... Do you suddenly feel almost like paraplegic? Do you like have to sit down and like? Uh, no, actually, no. I just have a rush of homosexual attractions run through my body, <laughs> <laughs> and then at the same time, an abhorrence of all gays. Everywhere. <laughs> it's really interesting. All right. Well, M- thank Mr. No Neck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mr. No Neck. So with that quote, what are we talking today about, Mike? It's all about what it means to be anti-Mormon. That's what we're Mm. talking about. Well, let's start off by defining what that even means. Of course, you have to be in Mormon leadership to give an official definition for what that would be. Mm. And you're basically saying, hey, if this and this is happening, then we would qualify that as anti-Mormon. Mm-hmm. And so, since there isn't an LDS dictionary per se about a term like that, we just have to look at prior talks and teachings and things over the pulpit, right? And kind of figure it out. And so, draw from our own experiences of what we were taught as members as well. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. So, if I think back and I, well, what, what would I have called anti Mormon? Well, first of all, what strikes me in that phrase is that it's, it's pretty much doctrinal. Right. It's doctrinal and I would also say reputational. When I say doctrinal, how about we define that as truth claims? If someone was teaching mm. against the veracity of the truth claims of the church, the church claims this, this, and this, 
is true. Mm-hmm. I don't think so because of this, this, and this, and here's why, or whatever. That would be considered anti-Mormon. You're preaching that the mm-hmm. church really isn't true, that it, it's not right. It doesn't have the truth. And then we have to include in that, because you guys know this was a big recurring message when we were active. If you preach against one of God's elect, one of his leaders, you're also anti-Mormon. So mm-hmm. it doesn't even have to be about a doctrine or about a truth claim. It could just be disparaging, right? Some type of thing about, call it even ad hominem, right? Like Joseph Smith wasn't mm-hmm. really as, as holy and great as people say he was. That would be considered mm-hmm. anti-Mormon because you're disparaging a leader. And I would even go as far to say that, uh, at least in my experience, there's even a divide from becoming anti-Mormon and on the path to becoming anti-Mormon. That's a very good point. And, and they're like, oh, I can say yeah. that's about Joseph Smith. You know, a leader right. might be like, well, he, that is true. But if he goes any further down that path, he's right. on really thin ice. So it's like, you can say that, but you can't say that because if mm. you do say that. Let me give you an example with a brother-in-law would come over and he would keep reiterating this experience he had with his stake leadership where they disagreed on how to pursue the the scouting program of all things. (laughs) So he, he was for the third or fourth time expressing how upset he was to me at our house. Dad was there listening and he just comes over and in a very, you know, godlike voice said, are we speaking evil of the Lord's anointed? And just looks at him and goes, yes, we are. (laughs) So does that qualify? Because it's not a prophet or an apostle. It's local leadership. Yes, it does does qualify. qualify. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And we'll play a quote by D. Hoax, which clarifies that it definitely Mm -hmm. qualifies later on here. So that's kind of what it is. You also reminded me, Mitch, when we were talking earlier teaching false doctrine, well, Mm -hmm. that's anti-Mormon, you know, and so you can start to parallel anti-Mormon with apostasy, right? They're kind of hand in hand, speaking evil, the Lord's anointing, we talked about it, teaching unapproved doctrine or historical accounts. I actually think, I think that's hilarious, the deep doctrine. Mm -hmm. It's like, this is taught in the church, we teach this, but if you think too much about it, then you're anti-Mormon. Don't yeah. think too much about that. This is the uh, the creation of an entire group of people called closet doubters. And the reason they're still in the closet about their doubts and questions is they're afraid to come out. They're afraid to verbalize what it is that they have, again, doubts and questions about. And so if there wasn't this big scare of being an anti-Mormon, maybe we could speak of those things more freely. But, oh, no, no, no. So we're going to create this secret quiet little group which is really healthy by the way psychologically yeah Mm. and this subject dives into so many parts of each of our journeys in the church you guys tell me from my experience i was terrified when i started questioning i was conditioned so hard oh yeah to hate anti-mormonism or that kind of thought that when i started to think for myself and started to listen to myself one of my fears which caused me not to go as deep that route was I was like, holy shit, I'm becoming, I didn't say shit. I was probably like, sweet, sweet Poo-poo. Jeevers, I'm, I'm becoming an anti-Mormon, Martha. I better put this book here down. But, uh, but yeah, it's just like yeah. the fear. It's, it's, it's so, it's, so much 
fear mongering. It's like, don't. It's so don't. deep. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you another quick one from my mission. Uh, when I was assistant, we would often have a third missionary with us who was a troublesome missionary and nobody uh, knew what the hell to do with him. And so he got to be our third companion because that helps us out. <laughs> anyway, anyway yeah. unbeknownst to my companion and I, he had ordered about a dozen books from Gerald and Sandra Tanner. Ah. And they arrived at our apartment while he was gone. I opened it up and walked straight out to the fucking dumpster and threw him away. Good job. Hey. And, and I took Good away job. his right, if you will, to read whatever the hell he wanted to read. But that was that fear again. Oh, my God. This is the devil's fucking dining hey, plate. No, Dave, you were acting under the spirit of the Lord. Oh, he was like, I will use David as my conduit to throw this bullshit into the dumpster. I felt pretty damn holy about it. Oh, I know. That's what yeah. I mean. You probably exactly. threw away and you felt like the, huh. the spirit. Come. Oh, David, well, you're so cool and you're such a big man in the priesthood. You really threw those <laughs> pieces of shit away. Yes. Well, I saved his life. I saved his eternal life by doing yes, that. That's yeah, potentially, right. potentially. That's right. Okay. In the great judgment day, David, that shall be on the positive side of your scale. Which yes. needs a lot more work. <laughs> uh, Wait a minute. The, yeah. the woman holding up the two scales is a fertility goddess. What? What, the hell that? That, what happened there? Ah, oh, ah, I got the wrong... Just... Heavenly beings uh, again. The one arm it's that's okay. on there. Common is, mistake. Yeah. There's so many wives of God that it's just like. Yes. The fertility wife is one of his favorites, though. That's what God told me once. Okay. Anyway. And you gotta, you, you gotta think, you know, if he has basically countless wives, he's probably into some pretty kinky shit. So. Yeah. And he does have some favorites. And mm. he's at the clinic all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! Hello, oh, him. Oh is my that? God! No, no pun intended. Did Frankie, where are you, Frankie? Frankie's just on, shaking Frankie. his head. Mike all the time. He, he's shaking his head. Come on, Frankie. Oh, oh Frank. Okay. All right. He gave. There it. we go. All right. So, uh, not <laughs> to was that uh, one right. symbol. <laughs> <laughs> just like a little. <laughs> All right, I'll give that to you. Uh, but to move forward without going too far into a rabbit hole, another way that the LDS Church defines Anti false doctrine, anti-Mormonism, and this is one that will trigger all of us, I'm sure. Actual historical records How dare that you. are considered anti-Mormon, or at least were considered anti-Mormon, up until the present day when the church was like, well, we'll publish it so it's not anti anymore. But it still is if you read too much into it. So we'll hide it. We'll publish it and then quickly hide that shit seven layers deep. Yes. So <laughs> any any historical records that shed a different light on the narrative that the church has approved is actually considered anti-Mormonism. Right. And that goes especially to Joseph Smith. You know, it gets muddy back in that they're like, well, they were just men. <laughs> and then we're like, well, Joseph Smith, how dare you talk about Joseph Smith in such an evil tone. You're right. Peace to the man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. Joe gets the pass. He gets the ultimate pass. 
And everybody else, eh, it could go either way, especially poor Brigham. Yeah. That poor guy. Yeah, poor Brigham. You know. well, Everyone's just like, well, he was a dick, but he was still a prophet. He was an inspired <laughs> dick. So, was he ahead. a flaming sword? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> this is that group of stuff that's true, but it's not useful. God, it's so easy to figure that one out. It's yeah. just not useful, okay? Yeah. yeah. Basically, it's anything that's that sheds light uh, in a negative way on the church, anything, mm. is not useful. And that includes truth, Dave. Truth. It's all, so, it's all true. Well, and that segues us into truth versus loyalty, which is a big part of this whole what is anti-Mormon, right? So it comes down to the fact that it's not really a question of whether it's true or not. That's nope. not the litmus test of are you being anti-Mormon or not. What the litmus test is, is like, are you following the current brethren? Are you loyal to the current brethren? Exactly. we've seen time and time again where somebody would stand up for the actual truth, like well-documented, undisputable truth, right? And they've got truth on their side, but no, no, that's disparaging, or that doesn't paint things in a good light, or you're being anti-Mormon, and it's uh, just following the truth here, guys. You know, so that that's definitely been made clear. And I had a well, couple examples I wanted to share, but go okay. ahead, guys. If you Let me a, ask you yeah. one quick question, though, yeah. sir. When you say those things are true, when's the last time you felt the Spirit? How do you, come on, man. Well, because that's, that's that's how you know it's a very valid question, Mike. It, it is. You been, did you masturbate this morning? Because that would. Well, I'm feeling get... something right now as we talk. I. Well, okay. That's oh, right. oh, yeah. I that wasn't the spirit. That's an answer. I yeah, I guess that wasn't the spirit. <laughs> the most correct answer of any book on the earth. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, there you yes. go. Yes, thanks, Frankie. <laughs> All right, Mike, what were you going to say? I have a couple examples. So one is about polygamy because that's that one pisses me off more than many as far as the church's handling mm -hmm. of its own history. And so we're going to play a couple snippets of the attitude from the church on that. We're okay. going to tap into Jacob from the Book of Mormon. We'll have you channel Jacob. Oh, all right. And all right. So, Michael, when you said how the church handles its history, were you talking about the handle on the shovel they used to bury it? That's the that's the handle. That's the handle. That's okay. very perceptive of you, David. Yes. The, Thank you. The historical shovel, as it were, the silver-plated mm -hmm, mm -hmm. shovel. By the way, they also use that same shovel when they break ground for a new temple. Exactly. So I'm just yeah. saying, really? yeah, it's a yeah. multiple-use shovel. Yeah. So, how about we start with something that Gordon, I would have him say it himself, but he's on vacation. So we, mm. in his absence, we will play a recording. I know it's not as good as the, the real thing here. We're going to okay. listen to Gordon here. This is part of the PBS documentary that was done a while back. I don't remember the date on this, where PBS teamed up with Frontline, and they did a two-part documentary okay. called The Mormons, which is absolutely I, fascinating. Yes, yes, I yes. think we're looking at about 93 Probably something like that. Not, but it doesn't um, matter. Yeah. And so if we jump to a part here where Gordon, they've got a recording of Gordon B. Hinckley talking about the church's stance on polygamy. I wish to state categorically that this church has nothing whatever to do with those practicing polygamy. They are not members of this church. 
Most of them have never been members. They're in violation of the civil law. They know they're in violation of the law. They are subject to its penalties. The Church, of course, has no jurisdiction whatever in this matter. If any of our members are found to be practicing plural marriage, they're excommunicated, the most serious penalty the Church can impose. So, the irony for those of us who've gone to the temple, of course, is that polygamy is still a doctrine of the church. Yep. DNC 132. That's all you got to say is DNC 132, actually. Mm -hmm. That's, That's a good point. There's one little other clip here from Gordon where he pontificates a little further on this. Okay, here we go. This is another little snippet from him on the topic here. There is no such thing as a Mormon fundamentalist. It is a contradiction to use the two words together. More than a century ago, God clearly revealed unto his prophet Wilfred Woodruff that the practice of plural marriage should be discontinued, which means that it is now against the law of God. Okay. <laughs> well, there you go. That's and there's against something the law. We, we could go off on that. <laughs> yeah, and and yeah. I mean, really, this is the law of God today. Okay. And mm-hmm. speaking of which, if you were to ask someone, well, okay, if I don't want to be anti-Mormon, if I want to steer clear of that, I want to be in a safe, you know, situation, what's mm-hmm. one thing I could do? Well, follow the Book of Mormon. Follow what's in the Book of Mormon. You will be safe. That's the keystone of our religion. All important truth is in that book. Of course, nothing about temple ordinances is in there, or baptisms for the dead. Or the the, the other caveat to that yeah. is follow the Book of Mormon as long as it coincides peacefully with the leadership of the church. Because there are people that read the Book of Mormon, they're like, oh, I interpret this verse this way. And you're like, well, you got to, the brethren don't. Do, you, you're, you're interpreting it a little wrong. <laughs> well, Let's talk yeah. about that. Jacob 2, 22 through 35. Mm-hmm. And let's see if there's any gray area in Jacob's teachings here. And Dave, you and I talked about this these verses some time ago in a different episode. Lay that right. on us. Uh, close your eyes, both of you, please. Oh. Audience members, please close your eyes. And imagine you're hearing running waters and you're in, you're somewhere in South America. And now I make an end of speaking unto you concerning this pride. And were it not that I must speak unto you concerning a grosser crime, my heart would rejoice exceedingly because of you. (coughs) But the word of God burdens me because of your grosser crimes. For behold, thus saith the Lord, this people begin to wax in iniquity. They understand not the scriptures, for they seek to excuse themselves in committing whoredoms because of the things which were written concerning David. Not you, David. Um, the historical scriptural yeah. David. My namesake. Yeah. yeah. David and Solomon, his son. Behold, David and Solomon truly had many wives and concubines, which thing was abominable before me saith the Lord. Wherefore, thus saith the Lord, I have led this people forth out of the land of Jerusalem by the power of mine arm, that I might raise up unto me a righteous branch from the fruit of the loins of Jacob. Or Joseph, sorry. <laughs> Daddy. 
Wherefore I, the Lord God, will not suffer that this people shall do like unto them of old. Wherefore, my brethren, hear me and hearken to the word of the Lord. For there shall not any man among you have, save it be one wife, and concubines he shall have none. For I, the Lord God, delight in the chastity of women. Oh, that's wonderful, God. Thank you. And whoredoms are an abomination before me, thus saith the Lord of hosts. Wherefore this people shall keep my commandments, saith the Lord of hosts, or cursed be the land for their sakes. For if I will, saith the Lord of hosts. This is where members excuse the bullshit. They're like, but in verse 30, it says this. For if I will, saith the Lord of hosts, raise up seed unto me, I will command my people. Otherwise, they shall hearken unto these things. That's the trap door on the back. They're like, oh, yeah, we don't like polygamy. But <clears throat> verse 30 says that the Lord will raise up a seed if, if he commands. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's abominable <laughs> to yeah. have more than but, one but, wife. But I, but I might use it in certain cases, even though it's, yeah, it's abominable. And by the way, it's a mistranslation. He, Thou shalt have no more than one wife at a time. Oh, oh that, yeah, it makes sense. It was oh. rough. Oh, at a time. Okay. Mm, yes. Okay. Yes. Yep. Well, well, yes. Yeah, so the uh, truth uh, of your own church is that that shouldn't be happening, and yet it happened. So back to the point of, well, yeah, the scriptures themselves say that, but hey, current prophet. Yep, which goes back to anti-Mormon means basically, essentially going against the current leadership. Essentially, when you disagree or are against the current leadership, here's, here's the ironic thing that always gets me. Even if you're just using their own history and you're like, hey, this is what you guys did. And they're like, stop it. You're anti-Mormon. Yeah. Like, oh, no, actually... You are. What's interesting is you'll occasionally get an investigator, fairly intelligent people, and they'll stumble across this before they ever even think about joining the church. I've had them bring it up to me. You know, it mm -hmm. says this in Jacob, and then I've got this stuff mm -hmm. about Brigham Young. So can you please explain? Uh, you know, we're late for another appointment. Mm hmm. Yeah, there's yeah. there's no answer. There, no. There's no way to no. There isn't. And so a big qualifier, if you will, for being anti-Mormon is criticizing the leaders, criticizing the brethren. So beyond the whole topic of doctrine and what's being taught at one time versus another, and you got to keep track of that because it keeps changing, evidently. Keep track of it. Follow what's currently being taught as okay doctrine. Another big thing of if you want to be anti-Mormon, start criticizing the brethren. And it, it's Oaks who was first quoted as saying, don't criticize the leaders, even if it's true, which is unbelievable. And he mm -hmm. references that in several public forums. And this is one where he gave a CES seminar back mm -hmm. in the day. What I didn't know, what I found out, and you will hear in a second here, is where he gets this and why he started saying it is from a quote of an earlier leader, which is interesting. So check it out. ...is particularly objectionable when it is directed toward church authorities, general or local. Jude condemns those who speak evil of dignities. 
That's Jude 8. Evil speaking of the Lord's anointed is in a class by itself. It is one thing to depreciate a person who exercises corporate power or even government power. It is quite another thing to criticize or depreciate a person for the performance of an office to which he or she has been called of God. It does not matter that the criticism is true. As President George F. Richards of the Council of the Twelve said in a conference address in April 1947, and I quote, When we say anything bad about the leaders of the Church, whether true or false, we tend to impair their influence and their usefulness, and thus are working against the Lord and His cause. Hmm. So there you go. Wow. Makes sense. Yeah, I I don't know what the question is about that. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, I mean, really, really. And of course, now now here's the sad part. Again, I keep bringing this up. Thinking back of being an active member, that would not have been that troubling to me when I was active. Yeah, I think I would. Yeah, it sounds a little spooky, but I'm going with it. Me neither. I I would have had the same. I would have been like, huh, I something inside me kind of ticks wrong with that. But I trust my authority. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. You know, I, I trust the leadership of the church. Well, it circles sin funny, upon itself. Go ahead, though, Mitch. Mm-hmm. You were basically just the truth. The funny thing is to me that the one true church, who claims they have the one true church or the the one the one and only truth, is. Defined the way they the current leadership defines truth always changes. It always changes. So truth changes. God changes his mind. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, truth. Wait a minute. Uh, you. It's yeah. that's why it's such a damaging doctrine or teaching within the church because if you just listen to the current leadership, their truth will always change. And yeah, truth God is relative. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He changeth not. So rip that one out of the book too. That's, yeah, that's, that, a that's abandoned completely for this idea of current revelation, right? And truth is relative to the leader of the day. That's what it comes down to. Yep. And, yep. you know, it, it circles in upon itself because just the way that Oak starts his argument there, you know, it's one thing to criticize even government leaders, like, go ahead. Have fun with that, guys. <laughs> but don't criticize he or she who have been called of God. Well, now you have to define called of God. Who says they're called right, of God? Right. Right. And then he admits that the, the bad thing about it is it diminishes their power. <laughs> well, yeah. no shit. Yeah. No, yeah. no shit. Diminishes the, their the influence. Most, the most yeah. abusive thing about those kind of statements is it's blaming the victim. It's going, hey, yeah. you might bring an actual mistake that we've done to our attention, but even if it's true, keep it to yourself. Yeah, it's, it's about like, oh, the most cult-controlling mechanism you can imagine. So you that, have if to, that does not scream cult Yeah, to you, you have to, <laughs> first of all, buy into the fact that, right. you know, or the supposed fact that these leaders are called of God, and then that's it. They have free reign. That, that, that's it. That's, That's it. So thing. now that they're called yeah. of God, and you better believe that, or you're worse off than we thought you were. Oh, you do mm-hmm. believe they're called? Okay, great. Oh, he went over and, and did some pedophilia over here. Well, he was called of God. 
So you, that's and, true, and the and that he was punished for it, and the legal authorities came in, proved it was true. They found all the repository of pornography, you know, on his hard drive, etc. That yep, it's proven true. It's true. The criticism is true, but you still better not be criticizing a man of God. So the message is clear now. It's not about truth. It's about loyalty. Yeah. Yes, that's what it's all about. It's about being a faithful member, standing behind the current leadership with you know unshaken faith that's a mark of like the true believer i think this is so fascinating the anti-mormons quote unquote stand for the truth more than actual members in my opinion yes because to me it's like are you fighting for the truth here are you loyal to that truth are you loyal to the church and its leadership because there's a huge difference because right now the truth is actually coming out and we've got a huge divide within the church and outside of it where right People are looking at the truth and willfully turning away, going, nope, I'm going to trust my current leadership. Nope. If you have the truth already, you're not in a current pursuit of truth. So you're inactive in that realm, whereas an anti-Mormon is constantly pursuing what the hell is the real truth going on here. And yeah. a, a Mormon just sitting on his ass in sacrament meeting. I have the truth. Yeah. And so the final definition point, yeah. of an anti-Mormon would be disloyalty. That's yeah, really exactly. an anti-Mormon. Ding, 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 ding. Are you disloyal or are you loyal? That's the, the final test of are you anti-Mormon sure. or not? It has nothing to do with mean. truth, nothing to do with doctrine. And lots of members even would probably be confused by that initially. You know, if you were... Well, blah, blah, this and they start getting into the gospel, and you're like, "What? Uh, uh, it's guys. It's not about the doctrine. No, it really isn't. It's about do you support the current leaders? Well, yeah. Oh, okay, then you're not an anti-Mormon. You pass the test. Yeah. Do you recall, Michael? Really early on, and for your information, there was a quote, and damn it, I I should have looked it up again from Brigham Young, where he basically said, "If you need to lie to defend." your brethren talking to the 12, mm-hmm. then you damn well better do it. Yeah. No, I should have found that quote. Yeah, we can find yeah, it. That's yeah. fascinating how this concept keeps getting taught through generations in the church. It's like, yeah, the leadership of the church, they're men, but don't you question them. Or you can question them, but if you criticize them, that's where it's, it's so like, cool. oh, don't you criticize it. Even if the criticism is true, how <laughs> fucked up is that? I, I, I do not get that mind. And and the the sad thing is, is all three of us can sit here and be like, what the fuck? And a handful of years ago, we were like, yeah, yep. yeah, what he said. <laughs> yeah, you're not really listening. That's an interesting thing that's happening there when you're active and you, you went to the trouble to go to the meeting where the speech is being given or listening to it on TV, whatever the, the thing is, there's something that happens where you just already know what's going to be said. It's true. So you're not really even listening. No. You mm. get that? Yeah. 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 It's kind of like yeah. praying to get an answer of whether the Book of Mormon is true or not. You already know in your confirmation mind. Right. bias. Yeah. yeah total so I wanted to bias. ask a question to both of you. We, we've established that the LDS definition of what an anti-Mormon is, differs from what we actually might think. And even as members, when I think of what anti-Mormon meant, I wouldn't think, are you loyal or not to the church? No. I would think, are you against the truth? Are you against the yes. one true right. church? Are you fighting against truth, mm-hmm. doctrine? And Are you saying lies now, about the church? Yep. Yes. Basically. And now I think, now that we are outside of the church, 
who's really the anti-Mormons here? <laughs> Who are really the anti-Mormons? It's it us. Are, the, are we the anti-moral? Are we spreading lies? Are we going, ah, it's time to spread lies across the universe <laughs> to get this true church to fall because Satan's influencing me and I must bring it down to corruption? It's the church. Yeah. And, and that church. was my next comment, yeah. along with uh, if you're an anti-Mormon, you're actively fighting the truth. You're also probably being heavily influenced by Satan. Of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it is Which, ironic wow. that the church yeah. itself is the worst anti-Mormon. They don't even appreciate their own history. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Sit down, Sonny. I'm going to read this story. Uh, it's a history story, and uh, it's full of lies. And, and Oh, it's so fun. It's a mystery. <laughs> it's a fucking mystery is what it is. <laughs> Just like God. Yes. He works in liar, mysterious ways. It's just fascinating to me whenever I think about this. The church not only kind of hides from its history, they actively fight against it. Not only its history, but the truth claims and everything that's coming out. It's like mm -hmm. you're actively fighting against the actual truth, the very truth that you claim you have. You're fighting against it. You are actually the anti-Mormon. You're against yourself. You're, you're yeah. shooting yourself <laughs> in the foot. Yeah, you're, totally you're destroying are. yourself. We're not doing a damn thing. <laughs> if something is true, it does not need to be defended. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's back right. to last week's uh, podcast as well. Yeah. Apologetics. Yeah, that's yeah. right. At yeah. least, you know, voraciously and, and with, you know, fervor. And I, I mean, you know, you could bring that to the whole conversation, things going on today, like the, the flat earthers. <laughs> Scientists from decades ago rolling over in their graves saying, I thought we won that argument. <laughs> now so it's coming use, back. To, to use a Packers <laughs> quote against him, I guess he could say, uh, some things that are true are not very useful. And that includes the LDS church, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> Yes, we're not very useful because we're also true. So we're not useful. Uh, oh shit! I just, I just destroyed the whole church. I'm gonna leave. I was an active member of the Mormon Church, but it wasn't very useful to me. Yeah, uh, look, that's true though, guys. You know, if uh, your significant other walks into the room and says, "Does this outfit make me look fat?" <laughs> Well, right. Good example. The, the truth may not be useful <laughs> in that situation. <laughs> but but the thing is, is that's that <laughs> for a leader to expect you to be like, yeah, I'll make that huge leap. That's not even <laughs> so. It's so fucked up. Yeah. It's like, yeah, just just imagine, uh, Mike, if you and your kid said, Dad, d do these braces make my smile look funny? Well, no, son, your smile's beautiful. That's a whole different <laughs> yes. unuseful truth than being like, well, uh, I'm lying to my wife that I have multiple sexual partners. Not all truth is very useful. I better, <laughs> I better keep that one pocketed away because it's just not useful. And, <laughs> so yeah, that's a long ass list of yeah. things that are not useful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The church, it, the, it goes the, church, on. the yeah. literal history of the church is not useful. Not <laughs> so useful. what are you saying? Right, let's, let's write this new narrative. 
<laughs> let's fo let's focus on the doctrine and talk about God, which we don't understand. But how okay? does that make you feel, David? That's I what it's coming down to. It's coming back again. To feelings, again. yes, mm -hmm. always. I, I'm sure that's what Joseph said to Brigham Young when he convinced him to take his first young wife. He was like, "But Brigham, when you were in bed with her, how did it make you feel?" That's, <laughs> that's the most important. Wow, oh, shit, Joseph, you're right. I feel wonderful. <laughs> I want more. <laughs> Maybe 57 is enough. I don't know. No, oh never. My God. All right. Well, <laughs> that wraps it up, people. Wraps yeah. it up. If you're disloyal That's, uh, to the leaders, you're an anti-Mormon. More so than that, take comfort in this thought, those who are listening. We are not the anti-Mormons. The church is the anti-Mormon. They're destroying themselves, and then they try to blame us for pointing out actual history. We're like, hey, we're not, we're not making shit up. We're going, hey, look, this is not right. Oh, don't you dare criticize us. That didn't happen. It was the plates. He didn't have a rock. Well, and it's not our version of the church's history. It's their version exactly. of their history that's, that's condemning right. them. Yes. I well, thanks for uh, yeah. tuning in, everyone. Peace out, guys. Catch you next time. And don't you be anti-Mormon. Mormon.